Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Sherlock's Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Laura Black, Harriet Russell, and Lou Huff. Hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. It's finally stopped raining. The typhoon is over. Literally, what a miserable weekend. I know, I know. So grim. But quite um, nice to kind of... I felt like I got a few jobs done. And yesterday morning, I went for like a proper dog walk, like yeah. wet feet. And then I went for a rose and I was like, oh, it's here. It's that time of year. I quite like it. Actually. Yeah, I feel like every single person on my Instagram had a rose on Sunday, yeah. including yeah. myself. Did you? Yeah. What do you have if you have a rose? I just have all the veggies and like all the trimmings, which I think is the best bit anyway. What's your favorite trimming? Uh, roast potatoes, without a doubt. Can I tell you, I genuinely genuinely think I make the best roast potatoes in the world. And I know everybody says this, but like I went for a roast yesterday at like one of the best roasts in London. Like their roast potatoes haven't got shit on my roast potatoes. <laughs> like I swear. I feel like they're quite a personal thing. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Do you? But yeah. like who doesn't want like the most insanely crispy outside with a really fluffy inside? How do you do yours? Um, I follow the Jamie Oliver method. Well, actually he puts his in the fridge for like 12 hours. I don't do that. But I do, so I parboil them chuff them chuffing is chuffing key. is key leave to steam for six minutes it's a great word too. yeah yeah great word <laughs> douse in olive oil rosemary garlic salt an hour in the oven then you take them out and you squash them cover them in olive oil again and another like 40 minutes in the oven yeah I love they're it. insane yeah. how do you do yours i'm not a massive roast potato mm. girl. why what's your trimming Sorry. i sometimes feel like i can get a roast hangover so sometimes it's all too heavy. It makes me feel so gross. It's my favorite feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but bread sauce for me. Oh, Absolute win. Delicious. What's the key to a good bread sauce? Pack it with a few chunks of your own bread. Could we have to make it feel authentic. About, um, you know, you know, mozza ball soup. You know, like proper Jewish yeah. mozzarella soup. And you know, you get those balls, which are, which are mozza balls. And people take like a lot of pride in theirs and, you know, making them from scratch. My mum makes hers from the packet and they are so much better than anyone else's. What are they made of? Mozza meal, which is like, you know, mozza, like the crisp bread that you eat on Passover. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like big square, crispy things. And it's the flour from that. So you okay. like, and then maybe like an egg. Is it like a dumpling? Some, yeah, kind of. Yeah. 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 Really, it's good. Harriet, what's your roast trimming of choice? I was just thinking, I think it's probably, I would definitely forego potatoes as well in favour of a Yorkshire pudding. Ooh, what? Yorkshire pudding. Yeah. Yorkshire. With you on that. Because it's, it's a carb, but it's lighter. It's Slightly not quite as... It's like, yeah, I agree. Not too crispy at all. Oh no, I like my crispy. But again, kind of the best ones kind of come out of the packet. Oh, no. I'm not going to... Yeah, Aunt Bessie's. Yeah. No, disagree. Sorry. It's a lot of effort to make them yourself and they can go disastrously wrong no, if you I haven't perfected know. your technique, let's face Isn't it. Isn't it just pancake mixture? Yeah. It yeah. is, is it? but it's it's yeah. the rise, isn't it? That's the tricky part. It's got to be really hot oil that um, it goes into. I've never tried it. Um, if you like a veggie roast, I know you're not a huge fish lover, but one time we couldn't get into Smokehouse, which is where I went yesterday in Islington, banging roast. So we went instead to Prawn on the Lawn, which is a fishmonger with tables sort of in Islington. And they actually have a pop-up in Cornwall right now. And they do a Sunday roast, which is one of the best Sunday roasts I've ever had, but it's a fish roast. So it's like a big grilled fish plus a load of trimmings. Kind of so fish good. with like roast potatoes and roasted veggies. It works so well. Really? So delicious. Interesting. Yeah. So what's the sauce? 
can't remember. But it was like a fish, maybe like a you fish You didn't have gravy. a gravy? You didn't have a gravy, no. But it was just like, it really worked. It was really good. It's slightly adapted. Mm. I highly recommend. Laura, where were you this weekend? Somewhere fabulous. Yeah, I went up to Painswick House in Gloucestershire, which was such a treat just to have a night away. And yeah, I was literally there for 24 hours. Delicious food, lovely big room. Went with my sister. Uh, it was heaven. You'd recommend? I would recommend, yeah. It's not super luxe. So it's part of the Barnsley House group and the village pub and it's it's a little bit more you can kick your shoes off and put your feet on the sofa so it didn't feel quite so luxe and premium but it was such a lovely atmosphere really delicious food big comfy bed heavenly yes. bath oh, mm-hmm. dream. and really nice walks around there as well we went a couple of years ago and we went on such a beautiful walk in the surrounding areas and then yeah you get back and like the fire's on and it Cream is quite tea. sort of cozy and it's almost like going to a really nice friend's house yes say, rather than a hotel oh, which i think actually so is a really nice feeling yeah we didn't do the walks because <laughs> of the monsoon mm, the lovely but weather other than that it was really beautiful i downloaded an app yesterday that i saw on someone's instagram which is called all trails which basically it has a location detector so it can kind of see where you are in the world and it gives you all the best walks in and around your surrounding area so but it's clever. amazing like obviously mine picked up you know where I live so it's quite kind of wide spanning so I had like all of London I'll show you guys and look so it's like top trails nearby so these are all the best and it tells you how long they are and it gives you an exact map for them all best views nearby trails less traveled how cool is that and then you can browse by activity so you filter it by like best for dog walks or best for you know whatever yeah great Love views and things that. isn't that lovely mm. and, but it's like all over the world you could yeah, I saw it from somebody in Massachusetts Wow. I know. Amazing. One to remember. Harriet, how was your weekend? Last night was really lovely because I went to the theatre for the first time in seven months. People around here will know that I go quite a bit normally. So yeah, it was the Barbican. They had their big sort of reopening night, but it was a very specific experience. And how was the distancing? Yeah. New protocol. It's it's quite sad. I'm not going to lie. It's great to be back there and everything, but they're at 25% capacity, which if anyone's been in the Barbican concert hall, you'll know it's really quite big so I mean it was amazingly done so efficient but there are huge restrictions you have to arrive by a certain time if you arrive late you're denied entry there's only one entrance it's a one-way system there's no food and drink except for one outlet which you have to do the whole app ordering thing everything is served in plastic which you know not very environmentally sound but it's the only way because everything has to be thrown away yeah they can't be washing anything you have to wear a mask through the entire performance yeah and how many seats are sort of between yeah so it's alternate rows to begin with and then we were counting it last night so we worked out there are sort of three sets of seating and there are about 18 seats in each set okay and within 18 we counted it sort of depended but we counted about six to eight people so it really is you sit next to the person you went with yeah, it's all done in bubbles. I sat with the person that I went with and plenty of people were. But equally, it was a music concert and normally you'd have like a full kind of orchestra or whatever on stage, 65 people maybe. This was down to about 15. Mm, so so yeah, it was Did all... it impact the quality of the performance? No, what did not... you see? What was it? People won't necessarily know who this is, but Bryn Terfel, he comes from the Welsh Valleys, but he's a very sort of big operatic singer now. It's, it's quite niche, but he's yeah. really, really amazing. And very often he's on that Remembrance concert that they do every year. He takes part in a lot of those sorts of things. 
And it was great because obviously the quality of his voice is amazing and the acoustics are great. But the whole thing just felt like a little bit sad. I'm not going to lie. He was very encouraging and he was like, thank you so much. It's amazing to have all of your support and all of that. But I just couldn't help looking around the whole time thinking, how is this financially viable? Like, I just don't understand. And at the end of the concert, he did thank a donor for making it possible. And I just thought, okay, well, (laughs) that's this series Mm -hmm. of concerts taken care of. But like, we can't live like this. Like, donors can't be responsible for propping up the arts industry for like the next two years. The Royal Albert Hall, they've said they're going to have to close as well if things improve if they don't get the And the the Royal Opera House I read is having to sell, it has a Hockney portrait in its foyer of its previous owner and it's having to sell it because it doesn't have enough money basically Mm, it's just it's all really sad Mm. but then at the same time i have to say and this is coming from someone who rates the arts very highly you did look around and you did think at a time when you know we've got to really hunker down and preserve what we can you know this is such a luxury yeah although it's such an employer isn't it i know so that's the toss-up i know it's i feel so conflicted over it it's yeah i know difficult Um, and i guess it's you're comparing it to what you know it has been or would be and totally is it a kind of that we have to just readjust and be like right this is what if we want this to work this is what it's going to be like and everyone mm-hmm, needs to yeah. kind of get on board with this because surely some income is better than no income like, exactly. surely, yeah. like, surely. Uh, you know we can't all get what we yeah what, you yeah know, yeah okay, difficult. So, we'll see but speaking of things that came back did you guys see that graham norton was back on Ooh, friday yes i'm so upset i saw this on my instagram on saturday and was like oh my god i missed it because yeah. that for me is like i mean well heaven. but people you, are still dialing in right it's so weird it's one oh. of those things where you're like yeah it's back and then you're like this feels so covidy like they can obviously only have british guests on the sofa because nobody can fly in so i feel like there's going to be a bit of a kind of dregs of the British <laughs> system coming up. Um, yeah, it was quite random. It was Rupert Everett, Sarah Pascoe and Lolly Adafopi, each on their own kind of red couch, really separate from one another, a bit like we are right now. Okay. And then, yeah, he will be dialing in the A-list stars. So it was Dolly Parton this week. They had an audience, but it sounds like exactly what you just described with the theatre where they were like all in pairs, masks on, really separated from each okay. other. And it was just like... So it's not canned laughter though. No, at real. least you have real people there. And obviously he's such a pro, so it feels really natural. And it kind of felt like the Graham Norton show, but it's such a reminder of like, oh, things are not normal yeah. right now. I know, yeah. so sad. Oh. Anyway, what, what has everybody else been watching? Any good recommendations? I feel like we've got, we've had some lively TV chat already in the office this morning. So I feel like there's lots to talk about. Lou? Well, should we just get start by talking about Emily in Paris? Oh, let's do it. Let's get it done. <laughs> so this was kind of hotly in inverted commas anticipated in the office, just because I think we all knew it wasn't going to be fab acting, but interested to see what it was going to be. It's the team behind Sex of the City and The Devil Wears Prada. It's it stars Lily Collins, but a little bit disappointing. I mean, more than a little bit. <laughs> Harriet? Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's so highly hyped. They were really billing it as if you've got a gossip girl shaped hole in your life, mm. like this will fill it. The fashion's going to be great because it's Darren Star and Patricia Field. And yeah, the whole thing just felt really kind of like out of touch and, and done for one of the best phrase, I think. However, I spoke <laughs> to a friend over the weekend who was born in Paris and is French and he said... It's very true to life, as in he really related to how the French treat 
Americans. My best friend works for an agency in Paris. I mean, she's Parisian, but she was like, oh, everybody in the office has loved it because it is completely true. And I lived in Paris for a year or my year abroad. I mean, I can attest, there's this one scene in the second episode where she rocks up to work at 8.30 and she's like, she thinks they've changed the code to the office. She's like completely stuck outside. And then the first person shows up at 10.30 and it's like, why are you here? And basically they just don't start work until like the middle of the morning. They take a two hour lunch break. I mean, I interned at Vogue when I was living there and I mean literally 11.30 to 1.30 was lunch like there's another joke they're like oh I'll just have a cigarette for lunch yeah that sounds just yeah. about right I think there are a lot of cliches that are true I mean great then that French people are enjoying it but I mean what a load of shit like <laughs> okay I haven't watched it why so shit because to me it's more than just the fact that it's a load of rubbish you know I put a thing on Instagram and loads of people DM me being like oh but I loved it it's just kind of marshmallow viewing it's just fun and it's just fluff but it's so much worse than that and I have a recommendation that I'll come back to you which is like good fluff but this is bad fluff because it's really aimed exactly as you say for like the gossip girl either generation or the you know it kind of fills that gossip girl hole that was so great when you were kind of 16 17 18 but it's 2020 and it's just not okay anymore for tv shows to be kind of so vapid and superficial and surface it's got this character who just is like i'm gonna move to paris and then just goes and there's no depth or exploration of anything other than just her being this kind of like breezes through life, super thin, eats all these pastries, isn't life fabulous, all these hot men falling at her feet. It's just so dated. Like just what poor role modeling for girls of today, I think. Mm. And also I think there's this huge chasm at the moment in TV where you've got stuff like Emily in Paris and then you've got I Hate Susie at the other end of the spectrum, which people who have listened to the podcast will know how I feel about I Hate Susie. I really hate Susie. (laughs) And like, it's so rare that you find something that sort of goes down the middle, particularly with sort of female protagonists, I feel, that get the balance absolutely right between like realism versus complete trash. I don't need everything I watch to be like mega woke. Like I also feel like, you know, we've had a lot of that shoved down our throats but something has to feel kind of modern and fresh Mm. can I give you a recommendation that I think is which is Love Life which is the new Anna Kendrick produced and starring in series it's on BBC iPlayer now it's rubbish it's literally about a girl and her love life but it just at least feels relevant and it's not painting this kind of perfect silly portrayal of yeah kind of these completely unattainable lives and non-realistic one-dimensional people every episode is a new chapter each one a different guy throughout her life it's kind of at the very beginning in the first episode they kind of give you a glimpse about what her life looks in the future and it's kind of how she gets there but it's just really raw and cool and she's just this like girl in new york struggling to kind of you know make it career-wise and relationship-wise and it's just fun and silly and relatable so I recommend that instead Mm. yes I switched off stupid Emily in Paris (laughs) moved on to that and I was a lot happier more grounded fluff shall we talk about Paris Hilton let's it's her new documentary which was very highly billed she had a cover feature on the style and loads of people were talking about it before it's about an hour and 40 minutes start to finish and it really hasn't been billed as anything else other than like an inside look at Paris Hilton's life, which when you think about it, I think I've had the inside track on Paris Hilton's <laughs> life for like the last 20 years and I've not been impressed so far. But this promises to be more, quote, authentic, more insightful, more honest, etc., more raw, you know, like all the buzzwords basically of what sort of denotes quality reality TV these days. And so I watched it being fully prepared to sort of switch it off within the first 10 minutes. But I have to say, I found it utterly compelling And not because I sort of have had this huge turnaround on her and think she's amazing and all of this stuff. I actually was saying to someone else in the office after having watched it, like, 
I just really, really pity her. Mm. Like, I really do. And that's not to sound condescending or nasty about it. She is such a tortured soul. And that really comes through in this documentary. However, my cynical side kicks in and says, you know, she's one of the most original reality TV stars out there. Has she produced this documentary at a time where authenticity as a commodity has never been kind of more valuable? Mm. And it's just interesting to me. She's obviously an incredibly shrewd businesswoman. That she so would, driven, my God. So driven. She's so motivated by money. And that's not to say that's a bad thing. She just is. And she admits it. But I just got to the end of it. And I thought, okay, that's a really like different kind of take on reality. But has she sort of tapped into a market where the whole like, you know, idea of the hills or whatever is like so poo-pooed these days and no one's going to watch that and believe it i guess you could argue that about anyone who's ever made a documentary about anything that kind of feels authentic like isn't your cynical side could feel like what are the actual reasons why they've made this Mm. about anybody so i agree with you kind of take it with a pinch of salt but i guess you should have then kind of apply that i just think she was in danger of slipping into the history books of being like one of the original purveyors of reality tv Mm. but a reality tv that no longer is valued but she's now done a 180 and sort of pushed herself into reality TV of the day. But essentially that's kind of her way of turning her story on its head and being like, now this is how I want you to perceive me. Which like, how genius is that? Yeah. The same way as like with the Taylor Swift documentary as well. Mm. I've always loved Taylor Swift, but then I watched that and I was like, okay, I'm obsessed with you, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm intrigued to watch it actually. And for most of the documentary, she also talks about how motivated she is by money and by acquiring and by buying things. It's filling a hole for her, isn't it? It's such a void, yeah. Yeah. Can I say that kind of leads nicely onto what I watched last night, which was David Attenborough's The Life on Our Planet. Has anybody watched it? No, I haven't. I keep Mm -hmm. meaning to. Oh my God. I just urge you to watch it. It is terrifying. This is different to the extinction one or the same thing? exactly. So it's basically his witness statement. He starts it by saying, I'm a 93-year-old man. This is my life on this planet and what has changed in my life and what I have witnessed. And it is absolutely terrifying. And hearing about all her stuff and the way us humans work is just horrific so what and we need to stop it it's on netflix it's like it's about an hour and a half it's like a it's a film and he starts off in chernobyl saying you know basically this is what happens when humans are taken away mm-hmm. and then he does it throughout his years and how things have changed mm-hmm. so you get facts and figures throughout it's terrifying you know he's saying by 2030 we could have no ice left in this world i mean that is 10 years away yeah, and then he says you know what we can do to change I can't tell you how much you must watch it because we need to seriously make some changes. Polly mentioned it to us when we were just upstairs before and she said that whilst it was very depressing, his tips at the end for what we can do to be making a positive change, at least with something kind of proactive to take away from it. Did you feel the same? Absolutely. I was watching half it and I was almost in tears Mm. at some point. I really want my children to watch it, but it's almost, I think, they're kind of too young that if they watch it, it felt like a science lesson. Mm -hmm, You need to be old enough to To kind of understand Mm. and care but we need to care we don't care as we are at the moment what kind of things was he suggesting that we should be doing we're just farming land we just need to be more sustainable Mm. you know the humans are running this planet for humans but the humans are a small percentage of this planet you know all the animals the wildlife is such an enormous part Mm. of our planet and we are destroying it 
I watched Extinction, which kind of in a similar vein, he was also talking about all the biodiversity and that kind of every animal insect is necessary on our planet to kind of help the ecosystem. And he was saying that if we continue to live the way that we are, that we could see five more pandemics in the next couple of years coming our way in the same vein that COVID has. But so, almost, there was a part of me yesterday that watched it and was like, we deserve it. You know, what are we doing? Yeah. It is absolutely terrifying. And a bit like what you just said, Harriet, like obviously when we were in peak lockdown, that was giving the world a bit of a breather and environmentalists were saying, oh, you know, this is quite quite good for the environment. But actually I feel like the result of COVID is so much more plastic now everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah. when I filled up at the petrol pump the other day, I obviously put on the plastic gloves that you get there because like gross petrol, petrol pumps are gross anyway. And then you have to throw, you like throw them straight away. And yeah. presumably every single person at every single pump is just doing that and you're just throwing away two plastic gloves every time you fill out the petrol. But like, he goes back to these different tribes. So he goes back to a tribe and, you know, they are one of the only tribes left in the entire world that are hunter-gatherers. Mm. And that is how we are meant to live. Yeah. And we don't. We just farm to mass produce for everybody. We need yeah. to buy and have what we need for now um, rather than, you yeah. know, this fierce farming yeah. that's taking over the land. Anyway, watch it. Okay. It's really important and it's very powerful. Did you guys see the Instagram thing that he did with uh, kids? Yeah. So and, but, and I love that. So when George asked the question about animals being extinct and he told the story, I think it was about gorillas um, and we'd managed to bring them back from the brink of extinction. Like that is quite uplifting. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Him saying that like it can be done. Mm. And like, it can be done. Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, he's on tonight with Prince William as well at nine. Week. Bit of a David Attenborough fan over here. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get, get a dose of him like, every day of the week then by the time of it. Honestly, what a hero. Yeah. Changing tact slightly. So, but October. It is October, finally here. And can you believe that? October. Like, I'm mine is blown <laughs> that it's October. I sometimes have to, like, check myself. I like, really have to, like, think for a second where we are in the year. I, I just guys. lose it. Like, when you yeah. said earlier, if you think back to March, I just feel like there weren't months. I just feel like yeah. it's just it's, one yeah, long, so like, weird. week. <laughs> so weird. Anyway, so, but October is here. And we wrote a feature on all the activities you can be doing um, to keep yourself occupied in the no drinking month. So, I'd like to know. Is anyone here planning on doing Sober October or no Harriet's shaking her head with a disgusted look on her face Not this year. Um, will we be drowning our sorrows instead I think at the moment if you take booze out of the equation as well what, like, <laughs> what else is there to live for literally we just else? need something to look forward to on a Friday night totally but for her Monday or Tuesday Monday yeah, exactly yeah. yeah I think of all the things you kind of can't do right now I think don't kind of limit yourself to having a glass of wine on, yeah. on Friday night maybe if during lockdown you've been sinking two bottles a night maybe you should consider it cut back mm. but, but if you've just won for a glass here and there I think don't be so hard on yourself I, I mean so. some people do it for charity and stuff don't they which is quite admirable mm. but I always do dry January so I feel like I've paid my dues this year I already did it so yeah. <laughs> I bet you regret that now I bet you wish you'd gone party the entire month <laughs> yeah well, I mean it's <laughs> not wild January. Yeah. <laughs> it, it remains to be seen whether I'll do it in January 2021 yeah exactly um, uh, but yeah well if you are on the lookout for sober activities, what do you guys do? Any tips for things that don't involve booze? Harriet? I think maybe put more emphasis on the day than the evening. So if you're going to do an activity, you know, National Trust places are back open. If the weather holds up like it's starting to right now, you know, try and make more of your day so that then by the evening you're probably quite tired and yes. you're probably just quite happy to hunker down at home and not pull out the wine. Can I tell you what everybody should be doing as well? Is going to the cinema 
I know this is obviously going live on Thursday, but today is Monday and we've had the news at Sunny World having to close 138 branches. I was listening to the radio on my way into the office today and everybody who was calling in saying they'd been to the cinema and they'd been one of three people in there. And, you know, if you feel comfortable, you know, if you're somebody who's been prepared to get on a train or a plane or, or basically kind of do anything, then put on your mask and go to the cinema because that, how awful if that is an industry that also just dies out. That's another mm. really easy way to support people who need jobs. Lou, any activities? I'm really keen to explore making ceramics. <gasps> Um, I have always loved the idea of going and sort of making my own vase and I've done a few sort of paint your own pottery type thing but there's places where you can go and you can mould the clay and I just think that sounds so exciting Lou, can I come with you I, it's just one of my dreams where I want a wheel where can you go for that so there is a place called Turning Earth that we've put in the feature, which is in Hoxton. I know there's one back in Bristol that we've kind of always wanted to go to. So I think, you know, have a look in your local area and I'm sure there'll be some pottery. Yeah, I think there are lots of classes yeah. around yeah. these days. My- but also I imagine that is just so therapeutic as well. So therapeutic and so in the moment. Like if your hands are in there and covered in clay, yeah. like you can't pick up your phone or go and that. I feel like it's so good for the mind. Yeah. And just to be making something completely by yourself. Do you remember that queer? Right, where there was the doctor and she was a, a kind of a working mum and she was really sad that she was missing out on so much time with her younger daughter and her husband was at home with her and she surprised them when they were in a sort of a pottery class and she just said kind of being there when she was learning and kind of touching her hands while she was molding the clay anyway it just sounds like a really lovely thing to do and I think it's nice to as you said be kind of do things that are away from our phones and away from technology and also the type of thing you can totally do by yourself yeah, yeah and I think that's one of the highlights from lockdown for me is just going back to being a little bit more creative and mm-hmm. not so on my phone yes. on my computer although I don't know about you guys but my screen time has gone down significantly since we've come back to work <laughs> now I think driving in keeps me off my phone whereas those three hours of driving time is definitely spent on Instagram I do still worry just about how much kind of digital time I have yeah. whether it's my working week or the weekend or whatever and it's just especially when the weather gets like this, I think you really need to get out and do an activity that doesn't involve anything. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, if I go for a dog walk, I feel sick of myself when I check my phone. I'm like, put it away. Yeah, so bad, I know. All right, well, for more tips on uh, fun activities you can do if you are doing Sable October or otherwise, and have a look at the feature on this site. Let's talk about cleaning your beauty tools. I don't know why I volunteered to talk about this because this is something I'm so guilty of not doing. But studies show that 92% of our beauty tools from sponges to brushes and mitts are full of destructive germs and bacteria, which is a cheery thought. So I want to know, how do you guys and how often do you guys clean your brushes? I have to admit, I had never done it until (laughs) genuinely ever I would just I don't know every couple of years buy a new new brush I mean I don't use like foundation brushes so the only thing I would have cleaned would be a bronzer brush but we I reckon it was about a year ago there was a machine (laughs) in the Sherlock's office which was um, the Style Pro brush cleaner and we were fascinated but anyway so I tried that about a year ago and was like right okay I really need to get on this yet really enjoyed it and then never did it ever again (laughs) so I recently bought the it cosmetics brush cleaner and you literally just spray it on the top of your brushes wipe them down on like a bit of tissue paper and they literally clean in seconds it's also infused with collagen so I feel like they're also it's good for your skin as well whilst using it it's not like a chemical cleaner no exactly so moral of the story clean your brushes people because it doesn't take very long (laughs) my big problem is my beauty blender 
because I actually only use, I don't wear any powders anymore. So I actually only use a brush for foundation, which I mean, seriously needs the help with the spinning contraption. Yeah. But my beauty blend that Becky laughs at me the other day because I also just buy a new one when I need it. Because the thing about them is that when you add water to them, they expand. They don't get cleaner. They just yeah. get bigger. So it just like keeps growing. And you're like, no, but just, just please clean for me. Anyway, and then I tried, I thought I would be able to just like snip it off and just like snip off the top layer. But it obviously is a really smooth surface. And when you start sniffing, you just get all these like jagged, yeah. it was like a fucking mountain. It was awful. Anyway, it did not work. But there is a specialist cleaner for beauty blenders. But I just feel like I want like a one size fits all. Yeah. But I don't think you can put a beauty blender in the spinny thing. That won't work. No. No. no absolutely okay. not. No, I tried not. actually with the yeah. Amanda Harrington brush. Oh, yes. I was like, that, that would be not, such that a win. It's too heavy. Yeah. Oh, shame. It, it Funny also, shape hand. Yeah, d- different shape. I think it needs to be like a proper. Except yeah, do you brush. have an Amanda Harrington face brush? Face, I didn't try with that, but I still think that the shape of yeah. them, it's quite a signature shape. It's thicker no, at the it top. Is. I've yeah. tried that. It doesn't work. But Amanda Harrington does now do a brush shampoo that you can buy from um, Space NK. Oh, that's Ginger. good. Yeah. Did you know you can get all of Amanda Harrington products on Amazon as well? I was like mm. freaking out that I needed to buy a whole new kit, but you can buy each individual bit on Amazon so that's what it was really that is good to know it's really good and it also means it's quite expensive to buy the whole kit it's like 100 and something pounds but if you've just run out of one bit it's a bit more palatable to spend 30 something at a time yeah so yeah it's a good tip Harriet brush cleaner I have to say, I do clean them quite regularly just because I have the kind of skin that is quite prone to break out. So I have to be quite careful. But I don't use a specialist cleaner. I just use whatever hand soap I'm using at the time. But does it not make your thing a bit, a bit like yeah. sticky? I find it so no. I have to say, I've never noticed a problem. I don't know whether it's just the type of soap I use, but I just feel like I need something with a bit of SLS in it yeah. to really foam up and yeah. get the stuff out and kill the bacteria. And I read features daily, not just at Shilux, but everywhere saying you shouldn't do it and you should always use a specialist cleaner. But to me, the specialist cleaners are so expensive and I just think, I don't know, it seems to work. If it works for you, then great. The one thing that I'm really quite fastidious about cleaning is my tan mitt for obvious reasons. In the past, they've had, you know, sometimes you can get like ones that are kind of beige and then you can obviously see the amount of tan that's wrapped up. But I've got a black one on the go at the moment, which is like quite dangerous because you'll suddenly be like, oh shit, I haven't cleaned this in a really long time. But those you can literally just rinse underwater and you just, it's a bit like a flannel, like just keep squeezing until or put it in the washing machine could do yeah I just really love the satisfaction like you squeeze and every squeeze it's so dark it's, and then it's just slowly gets a bit lighter and lighter until it's white and you're like ah oh, clean and I find that so satisfying so yeah all right well for more um tips on how to keep your brushes etc clean then have a look at the feature on the site we've also got a roundup of the best products which include things like Bobby Brown's brush cleaning spray oh and the style pro is linked in there there we go 23 pounds 99 I shall be purchasing that after this we wrote a feature last week on the bad email habits to break now, which is more pertinent than ever. Now we're less face to face. I know a few weeks ago we talked about keeping a clear inbox, but I want to know when it comes to sending, not just saving your emails, what are your tips for good email etiquette? Harriet, did you write this feature? I did. Hit me. What are your top tips? Well, there are several in here, but for me personally, I think the one that resonates most is all about timing. As in when you send an email can actually have huge impact, not just on your working day, but on the person you're sending it to. So, you know, if you're sending something at 10 o'clock at night and you're not particularly clear about when you expect something to be actioned, I just think that is one of the most stressful things, especially at the moment when, you know, particularly from our point of view, for example, we have to be quite responsive in content and we have to be planning and sort of pivoting all the time. I just think it pays to maybe write your email because you know what you need to happen and you need to get it out on paper. But my best friend on my email (laughs) is schedule send. I love it. I completely (laughs) agree. And that was a 
recent revelation for, well it's probably about a year ago actually but then recently I wrote loads I worked all weekend wrote loads and none of them sent and they oh, all no. needed to be actioned on Monday morning oh, no. and none of them sent so now I'm a bit more wary of that. Oh, interesting. interesting. I've never had a schedule send failure, but yeah, so timing I think is is a really, mm-hmm. really top tip. And then one that I sort of discovered in the research for this feature, but I think is something that I'm going to try and work on much more is subject lines, which is when you get a really... You hate your very subject line. So when <laughs> in my first job, my boss said to me, he kind of took me aside and was like, please, will you put subject lines to your emails? And I had to put a little post-it note on my computer saying, <laughs> add a subject line. And if it's like a, a really quick message... And often the action is maybe even in the subject line. I think that's fine. But if you are kind of archiving your emails or you're searching your inbox, having a subject line, it's so necessary. And mm. it yeah, it kills me when people but, don't use it And also it gives correctly. me such anxiety. Like Loz sends around an email like most no mornings subject. to us. <laughs> yeah, and Loz is our head of ops. So sometimes her emails can be quite serious, but she sends around every morning. Loz, if you're listening, it's not a criticism, but it just makes my heart stop because I'm always like, oh my God, what is this no subject email to me? And it's normally just like, yeah. I don't know, about I'm the I can say this because she's sitting right next to me, but I'm the same whenever I get something from Laura Black with no subject. No, it's quite good in a way. Sorry. Keep it hot. Keep it you on your toes. (laughs) No, it's it's not a heart stopper. It's more like I just know that it's going to be something quick. And it's going to be something that like needs to change perhaps within 24 hours. Okay. And, but it's just interesting, I think, how you like compartmentalize all of these habits that people around the office do I was going to say, because that's really specific that you know exactly what mm-hmm. law is no subject like. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that's so why I, I will definitely take that on board. But one of my <laughs> things that used to annoy me was when people wrote their whole email in the subject. Oh, I do that all the time. I do that all the time. Sorry. I do that often to Georgia's, but when I know people who are like really busy and they just want to crack on with their day, I'll just put like what I need in the subject line yeah well, that's, that's fine it. if it's quick but when, when it goes on to two lines oh, yeah, no, that's, you need to write yeah. it in the Who copy of the email that's awful. on a more positive note Laura and I we love an instant message don't we yeah Love it. Oh, yeah, quite good on chat. Google, Google chat. Is Try cool. like people who refuse to get on the IM bandwagon. Um, I'm, but there's a time and a place for a, an instant chat, and I think yes. like again, it's kind of a conversation. Fine, but if there's kind of something important that then you need to refer back to, that needs yeah. to be on an email chat. Yeah. But I also think it is easy to kind of pick up internal email habits of you know of the company that you work for and I think often you kind of need to take a step back and be like hey, if I was sending an email externally how would I write this or describe this completely I'm sure we've talked about this before but Ben dies that we all put kisses at the I know oh, like, he just thinks it's the funniest thing this ever. is the first place I've worked where that happens so on my first day I can remember getting the internal emails and being like everyone is so familiar like <laughs> but that, I get that with PRs too and they sort of send like three kisses I'm like hold on wait yeah. I don't know who you are <laughs> there's Hi, definitely honey, like an over familiarity on an email which is like part endearing that you think okay like okay yeah. we're there but then you're like, actually we have never met and you're calling me lovely what I was yeah. gonna say is your emails always make me laugh because we might be like having a chat about something but then you need to send an email so we're like having a full conversation and then I'll just get this very formal like hi Charlotte <laughs> <laughs> okay Lucy it's sure. kind of like yeah if I know there's kind of an action and then like yeah. it can be referred back to whereas if it's on an yeah. on chat it's the accountability but the hi Charlotte just always <laughs> yeah I agree actually on a Friday a hi Laura this needs to be done yeah it feels yeah. quite formal I sometimes feel like I'm in trouble yes me too I'm like, oh, sorry okay <laughs> yes Lucy it'll be done but, equally though people that don't reply all drives me mad mm. interesting yeah I'm trying to think of a scenario where that fits. where you would just yeah. reply directly okay, what, what do you, do you mean? mean if you're the person that's replied to just directly and you're no, like why so, you everyone so if an email is sent to x amount of people mm-hmm. you should reply all to that unless it's oh, something no. very specific yeah i think i agree 
I think very often it's very helpful, isn't it? When the person who has sent something to multiple people then gives quite clear instructions yeah. and says, no need to reply all, or they say, if everyone could just get back to me individually or everyone, please reply all so everyone's on the same page. Yeah. I think it's just about paying a little bit more attention. But and, if yeah. you're arranging a meeting, I quite often have it with my husband and then he will be trying to arrange it and then the ladies just reply to him. Yeah. And then I'm not on it. It drives me mad. Yes, it's true. I try and just see sick. You have to keep re-seeing. Yeah, you have to keep re-seeing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Really Another not. thing with a kind of a very, very long chain, if you get kind of added on at the end of end of a chain, I think just someone's kind of giving a bit of a recap for what is in the body of this email at the very end, rather than you having to kind of go back and kind of retrace your traps and, and kind of get a hold of the conversation or the actions of what's mm. been happening. I there. also think one of my dad's famous things that he was known for was writing. If he was annoyed with someone or really cross from a mm. meeting, he would write his email and then he would tear it up yeah. and then he'd rewrite it. And I do that a lot. I write it, leave it in my drafts, reread it the next day, go, oh my God, cringe. Thank God I didn't send that. I think, and then delete it. You <laughs> never end up sending that angry email if you're mm. clever enough to sit on it. So yeah. just be careful you don't put their name in the two bit just mm, in case yeah, it sends yeah, by no, mistake never, never, no always leave it blank <laughs> or, yes or like put your husband's email address yeah. in there or something as well I did that I was having beef with a neighbour over the course of lockdown and I wrote this long long like and another thing email to, to our um, <laughs> to our landlord like the freeholder and yeah like basically all my friends have received it now but he has not and I'm, I'm glad I didn't send it yeah so it's good advice alright well for more of Harriet's uh, very astute tips on how to behave over email and the habits that you should be breaking now then do have a look at the feature on the site We're going to end by talking about fashion. We wrote a trend report on big shoulders. I'm repping mine today. It's because the look isn't going anywhere. And whilst last season, there was a lot of that kind of 80s power shoulder in play. They feminized a bit, haven't they, this season? And they're basically everywhere. I mean, like literally everywhere. How do we feel about the big shoulders? Absolutely love. We had Anna Vitiello on the show a couple of weeks ago, who is a big fan of the shoulder. And she just said she hopes there is never a day where the shoulder is out of fashion. And I think you're right. I think in the past, it's been about sort of an 80s power shoulder, but it's a lot softer. It's a lot more feminine. It's a lot more wearable. And it is flattering because, you know, it's essentially about shape and volume and the bigger the shoulders the smaller your waistline exactly definitely I was just gonna say I even remember I I love this trend always have always will but even to the point where I remember my mom wearing like her big huge cardigans and her belt around her waist I just Still to this day, it's how I remember her, her most chic. And it's so flattering. That's yeah. exactly that. For the most part, it has become a lot more feminized and there is, they're kind of softer, rounded, more puff styles. But we were completely, we being the fashion team, completely mesmerized by the Bauman show last oh week God. in Paris, which I would recommend to watch it. We watched it on yeah. YouTube. Watch it live. It is the most, apart from the Isabel Moran show, which came later, like one of the most inspiring moments or easily one of the most inspiring yeah. moments of this fashion month. And every single look of which there were like I don't know a hundred had serious almost like you know kind of elf shoes that but for shoulders they were like mega aggressive sharp they were kind of vertical yeah they were but uh, yeah amazing amazing and kind of is very evocative of a a Balmain show but they were just worn in such a wearable way and it was kind of on women on men as well but then paired with like you know leggings are going nowhere and I think again it's that 
difference in shape and the volume. So you've got these kind of big exaggerated shoulders and then much more paired back on the legs and kind of looking at the silhouette. But yeah, we were all literally gasping with how amazing and how wearable it was and just great to see a, a runway show where you're like okay yeah I could definitely wear that all three of us were like right I'm, I'm so excited for my wardrobe yeah. for now and even though that's looking kind of spring summer 21 it's definitely kind of rules that you can apply for your wardrobe for we were looking now. at each look being like oh and I could recreate that with this I have and yeah. this I have it was totally wearable wasn't yeah. it but I also think fashion is not your thing you can still have a nod to it without looking over the top or feeling uncomfortable totally I think yeah. anybody can have a bit of a shoulder and it'd be flattering you were just talking about cardigans i mean zara is filled with puff sleeve cardigans and yeah and by puff sleeve i mean up yeah up here but yeah there's so many ways to, to do that look without being yeah some kind of super jagged fashion look harriet into the look <laughs> here we go here we go <laughs> guess who's here you would look so good. i'm not i'm not prepared to hear you say that you don't think that they would suit you by the way <laughs> Is that that's, what, that's what i say every single yeah. time no it's not that i don't think they suit me i just have to be really careful because of a bigger boob yeah issue and i think if you have a very sort of boyish figure absolutely they create an amazing silhouette but if you've already got quite a feminine figure you can play with the proportion but you just maybe have to go on a slightly more subtle side mm. I, you know people around here will know i love a puff shoulder i love a big collar i'm not afraid of like sort of oversized details but i just every single piece i try i have to like try on and really think about whether it suits me i was just gonna say i think maybe you just need to make sure it's a bit softer yeah. and it's not too overpoweringly structured mm-hmm. and i think as long as it's softer mm-hmm. and you exaggerate your it's waist, absolutely right we ran a feature on it didn't we we have a kind of like shoulder knit mm-hmm. that are quite sort of sharp i don't find those suit me particularly at all but a puff sleeve I can work with. I feel like a dress as well, if you've got big mm. boobs, is perfect because then it's elongated. If you've got a particular pattern, if you've got the big shoulders and then it kind of goes down the whole length of your body, then that kind of yeah. gives you gives you the, the desired effect, yeah. I think. So yeah. worth worth a try. All right. Well, if you are interested in trying the trend um, or reading a bit more about it, then do have a look at the feature we wrote. Let's also talk about the Frankie shop. If you haven't heard of it, where have you been? This is the Parisian brand that influencers and celebrities have been obsessed with for the last year or so. We wrote a feature on how to get their signature look. This is everything from the muscle tank, which more for those who laid out for the Frankie shop one because God, they're everywhere, aren't they? It's the head to toe matching tracksuit look and obviously that oversized blazer or boiler suit style too is it an aesthetic you're into laura i feel like i can see you in quite a lot of this this vibe i love it on other people but if i put on a top to toe tracksuit it's just not doing it for me do we think we can wear that look to work i feel like i know the answer no the answer is no No, no. i don't i think it looks great on an instagram shot yeah but I think in reality... Yeah. You just feel a bit slobby. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, it just doesn't quite work in reality. Yeah. I feel like you can dress it up with like Bottega style boots and a trench and that's kind of the Insta way to wear it. Agreed. But it's not... You can't take off that trench, can you? I also no. think there's only a very small percentage of the population that can carry that off. It's also kind of like I'm going for a walk, I'm popping to the shop and I look really like I'm just throwing this look on, but it's cool. But you're right, when you kind of take away certain elements of that look it's actually just a bit sloppy having said that i feel like if polly rocked up in that she would look really cool as long as she didn't take her jacket off and then she'd look unprofessional but i can see her in that look you know yeah i think it's an an outside only look personally yeah good for the dog walks yeah Yeah. back in the day i think when we used to do fridays in the office but they were half days and it was i think that we had like a little bit of license then to do like the whole dress down friday but now working from home obviously we've lost totally agree that my cashmere onesie appeared once or twice on a uh, on a friday dressed up i even find when i'm working from home 
home, if I'm properly in my slobs, I don't know, it still doesn't sit that well with me. I found that when we were like five days a week at home, whereas now I'm loving the balance. Yes. It's yeah. so nice. Yeah. Like Monday, Tuesday, dress up, Wednesday, look revolting. Sorry, totally. Ben. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with you. You're obviously more motivated the more officey you feel, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. Lou, into the Frankie shop look. I think it looks super cool. If I'm totally honest, I think it's a bit done now. For me, it's a little bit uniform and it's a bit too, okay, how can I exactly replicate this look and do that? And I think there's just something when a trend goes too far and kind of everywhere on the high street has it that you're like, well, I'm done with this. I know, it's mm. such a shame when that happens. I mean, it's so great that, you know, the muscle tea is what, 70 quid. So great that you can now get that look for 10. Yeah. But that is inevitably what ends up killing a trend. Yeah. And I just yeah. think it's kind of it gone a little bit wallpaper. I think there's no individuality to that look. And I think, you know, as we were saying, we're kind of with the tracksuit thing. I think when people were adding their, you know, the big chunky chain jewelry to it or like an interesting shoe and you're like, okay, like, I haven't really seen that. And now you just see everyone trying to do it. And I also, I think this is kind of the fault of Instagram, I guess, mm. that you just see something a bit too much and then yeah. you're like, oh, Having said that, I mean, if ever there was a time for a trend, it couldn't have been better. That's exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, I, I'm with you. But for yeah. most of the people who are still stuck at home five days a week, how great to be able to find something that it gives you a bit of that balance that yeah. like, if you're popping to the post office, you don't feel disgusting and like yeah. a slob. Oh, I think you the tracksuit bit's cool, yeah. but I think it's, yeah, yeah that's sort of the, the tailoring, the boiler suit, the tank, whatever, yeah. is all a bit much. I know. Interesting. Harriet? I wonder if it will sort of die away quite quickly when fingers crossed all of this is over as well because it will be such a look that is associated with covid lockdown that perhaps as people you know try and move on and heal we won't want to revisit or won't want to remember particularly i I think there's so much like that like i could never watch tiger king again i don't know about you there's stuff that really reminds you of that feels like years ago basically was quite traumatic for ages now yeah because that was peak of like this is a traumatic time as well yeah no thanks I haven't really, on our dates at home, been wearing anything else other than Lululemon leggings. Mm. And I just know there's going to come a time, I don't know when it will be, a year's time, 18 months time, where I just look at them and think, God, remember the days. <laughs> and I don't know how I'm going to feel about them. Whether well, I'll- if I were you, I'd be saving my Lululemons then for workouts because my exercise regime is poor enough at the moment without me being turned <laughs> off all my gym kits. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe I won't feel that way, but I just know how I am as a person. I'm quite a purger. I'm quite a like, that was then, this is now sort yeah. of person. So we'll see. Yeah, everything 2020 can just bugger off. On the weekend, actually, I did a closet sort out and moved all of my summer pieces out of my wardrobe into the suitcase and brought out my kind of autumn winter layers. And it was like, oh, bye-bye summer. Yeah. This kind of, I never really got to wear you, yeah. but... No. maybe I'll see you next year you held on for a while I did mine a few yeah, months no ago. I did mine yesterday too yeah I don't know the weather was so so rubbish and I was actually quite like happy to be at home and kind of have yeah. a big sort out yeah. what's also interesting on that is if I think about the things I've been buying lately a lot of things I've not been buying for autumn winter I've been I've still been buying like summery things whether that's because they're now in the sale and they're really good value or whatever but I think there is an element of I never got to enjoy yeah. it so mm. I'm going to try and string it out you for as long as I possibly can summer yet. yeah, yeah it is also it is weird because like you know we are we're back in the office a couple of days a week you know we're taking every day as it comes and I think you're going to need to buy less I think if we are spending the rest of the winter in our living rooms I know it's true every time I purchase something I'm like am I going to be able to wear you yeah I don't know it definitely makes you makes you kind of think about those purchases a little bit I know yeah it's so interesting the psychology of it all yeah it's so true well, anyway, there's still lots of exciting fashion going on at the moment. Fashion week's just over. Lots to look forward to clothes-wise. I know I, for one, will still be shopping. 
All right, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks, everyone. If you have any feedback at all, please do email podcast at shillux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget also to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Bye-bye.